he's really with. Amen. So, <laughs> I love Brother Brian Jackson. Amen. <laughs> Listen. And uh, I have enjoyed myself so far this week. And uh, uh, I found out Brother Brian was going to be conducting the service, moderating the service tonight. And I told him, I said, you know, I think that God's will to have some good music tonight. But I didn't mean anything like that. My goodness, that was over the top good. Praise the Lord for that. I appreciate you guys. And I never had, I uh, never really had the gift of music. And uh, I, but I appreciate those who do. I, I, you know, I, I knew right off the bat when I got saved, God was calling me to preach. And uh, and preach is really not that hard. All you got to do is read the Bible and say a bunch of condescending things for about thirty minutes and then sit down. That's about it. So, but you singers, you got to practice and. Uh, all that good stuff. So I appreciate you guys. And uh, it's a, I, I think it's a gift, really. And I'm glad they use it for God. Some people get seduced to use it for the world. and uh, But I'm thankful for that. I have uh, been enjoying myself here. Didn't Brother Kendrick do a good job last night? Preaching. Amen. And uh, appreciate him. I almost asked him to sign my Bible last night. That was really good, Brother. Amen. I appreciate that. And uh, you preached it just the exact way I gave it to you. Amen. So I appreciate that. And, uh, <laughs> I love that guy. And uh, he's a blessing. I have uh, been in Michigan for a few days now, and I have learned something. Uh, whoever designed the roads around here obviously is not saved. Amen. <laughs> um, good. Hip. You miss one turn, and it takes you 30 minutes to get back to where you were. What's, why can't I just turn left? What, is that too much to ask? What's wrong with these people? Lord have mercy. Satan designed this road. And I was driving up 31. There was a Starbucks on the right. And I tried to go in there and find it. And I couldn't. I gave up. What's wrong with that? I wanted some of Satan's coffee. And I couldn't find it. Wrong with these people makes me so frustrated. <laughs> Amen. But thank God for GPSs. Amen. And uh, so thankful for that. I want to. I've been praying today and asking the Lord what His will is to preach tonight. And, uh, and I thought several angles I could go, but I thought I'd just give you the Word of God tonight. If that's okay. And uh, I hope you have an appetite for Bible preaching. And I uh, appreciate that so very much. Take your Bibles to Colossians chapter two today. Colossians chapter number two. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number six. I'll read these verses and then I'll share with you what's on my heart this evening. And uh, really, a preacher told me years ago, he said, uh, he said the, the average New Testament pastor, what the way he put it to me was, he said, if you're a New Testament bishop, you only have one card to play. And that is the word of God. You, you don't have to be an entertainer. You don't have to be... You know, you don't have to be all that, you know, all that other stuff that the world requires of you. Your job is to stand up and preach the book. And really, you have no other card to play. And I thought that's a blessing. And I have really taken that to heart. And I think tonight I'm going to play that card on you folks. Colossians chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. Verse number 6, the Bible says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Basically, what Paul's saying here is he said, you learned, you learned truth from me, and it's time to dig your roots down deep and be established in that. And let me just say, just for the sake of saying it, I'm an independent fundamental Baptist. Amen. I believe that the King James Bible is the right Bible for the English-speaking world. I stand against formalism and modism, and I stand against every form of false doctrine. I stand on that because the Word of God taught me that, and I'm rooted in that. And the Bible tells me to be established in the faith, which means that if the hurricane winds of false doctrine blow through my life or blow through my church, it could blow everybody else away, but I'm so rooted and grounded in that, I ain't going nowhere, friend. I want to tell you today that if all my friends change and go liberal and go contemporary, you're going to find me 10 years down the road still doing what I'm doing. And I really don't care. I, I, I didn't get in this for anybody else, and I won't get out of it for anybody else. A true man of God's not following the crowd. He's following this book right here. Rooted and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. But look at verse number 8. This is the text, verse 9. The Bible says, Beware, beware, lest any man 
spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And I want to talk to you about beware lest any man spoil you. Tonight, let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father, bless now this time, O oh God. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the message you've laid on my heart. And Lord, it's the preaching hour. The singers have done what you've gifted them to do. Uh, the man of God has moderated the service as you have allowed him to do. And God, I believe that this is the message that you've laid on my heart for this very hour, for this specific time in time, at this specific place here in Holland, Michigan, with these specific people here tonight. I believe that you have orchestrated my being here and all the people who are here, and I believe you've orchestrated my mind to, to speak on this specific topic tonight. God, I give you glory for that. Thank you for your divine appointments and Lord, tonight I pray as I speak, I, I, I don't want to stutter and stammer through the message. I want to preach clearly what thus saith the Lord. I pray to help my mind to think clearly, help my mouth to speak clearly, and I pray for a good delivery of truth tonight as we give the Word of God to this crowd. Oh God, tonight fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit and help me, oh God, to preach exactly what the Word of God says and not fear favor of man, but Lord, help me to preach exactly what you've laid on my heart. God, I pray as the people hear the message tonight that you would please uh, help the Word of God to fall on good ground. I pray that you'd do a work in somebody's life tonight. I pray that you'd speak to hearts in a way that you never have before. And God, I pray that you'd just help us to keep the attention of the people. Lord, I know it's hot and I know it's uncomfortable. And Lord, the flesh is probably going to fight against this message, oh God. But I pray that you'd just do a divine work in our lives tonight. May the altars be filled. May lives be changed. May people walk out of the tent tonight saying... God did a work in my heart. And we'll give you glory for everything you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to tell you that the New Testament church, if it is a New Testament church, should be governed and guided and dictated by this book right here. I want to tell you right now that there's a lot of people out there saying that we are Bible-believing churches, but they don't use the Bible at all. Amen. There's a couple that was here, and I don't see them right now. I can't, maybe I'll catch them later. But they said they used to go to a church a couple towns over, and it used to be called Mars Hill Bible Church. And you guys maybe be familiar with that. Rob Bell, and they came to church one day, and they found out that instead of it being called Mars Hill Bible Church, it was just called Mars Hill Church. And they confronted the pastor about that. said, why do we take Bible off the sign? And he says, well, we didn't want to ostracize anybody. I want to tell you right now, if this book ostracizes people, so be it. I'm going to go with this book and let the chips fall where they may. I can do no different for I am a New Testament pastor and this is the only card that I have to play. This is the only thing that I'm called to do. I, I wish I was a good singer and I, I wish I could do all kinds of other sort of things, but God's called me to preach this book and to preach it to you and just tell you what the book says and that's all that I have for you. And I believe the New Testament church should be governed by Bible doctrine. And the problem is today is that we have people that are going around and they're preaching things from pulpits that are moving the hearts of people. But the problem is it's not found in this Bible. I've been in camp meetings and I, I've, I've seen these guys and, and you have too, I'm sure. These men get up and they can tell stories and they can, they, can, they can draw the emotion out of people and they can work a crowd and they know how to hit just the right buttons at just the right time and they know how to manipulate a crowd of people so that they walk forward and place their body on some sort of altar, some sort of front of, front of a stage like this and they'll weep and they'll cry and they'll do all that and they'll walk out of the place exactly like they were when they came in. And they say things that sound good. And if you listen to it, man, you can get captivated by these speakers. But the problem is, is what they're saying is not found within the pages of this book. The Bible says, beware lest any man spoil you. You ever eaten spoiled milk before? There's no, nothing good can come from it. Amen. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, you better check them expiration dates because your life may depend on that. Amen. Gross, nasty, amen. And something that's spoiled is something that really is not worth using anymore. you got to just throw it out. I want to tell you that the old Protestants used to have a saying, 
that was sola scriptura. They used to say that all the time, sola scriptura. And what they meant by that is saying that the Bible is sufficient. And I think that's a correct thing to say. Matter of fact, hold your place there in the book of Colossians. I want you to go with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I want you to see this. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, the Bible says in verse number 16, the Bible says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I want to tell you that the Bible is sufficient for doctrine. I believe that the Bible is sufficient for reproof. There's been times I've heard men preach this book, and boy, it was like they were they were with the FBI. They'd been stalking me and following me, and they were reading right through that book, and that book was nailing my hide to the wall. Amen. It was correcting me. It was reproving me. It was giving me instruction in righteousness, meaning this, that the Bible will teach you how do you ought to live your life. Amen. I remember my granny, she got saved. Granny Brewster, she got saved and uh, started going to church and I wasn't even saved yet. And I remember she would come over to our house and, and she was one of those that uh, grannies that just showed up. She didn't announce she was coming. She just showed up. Anybody got in-laws like that? Amen. Don't raise your hand. Don't do that. And um, but she would just show up. Her and her and grandpa would just show up. And I remember I got up one one morning and I walked into the kitchen and, and Granny Brewster's in there reading the Bible. She's Southern Baptist. She was reading her NIV. Bless her heart. I appreciate her. She was trying. Amen. And uh, she's reading her Bible. And uh, she just finally, I, I remember I was reaching into the refrigerator getting some milk that had not been spoiled yet. And, uh, and I remember watching her close that Bible in frustration. And it caught my attention. And I looked over at her. I said, you okay? And she looked, at that, she looked at that Bible and says, I swear, and that's what southern women do when, when, they're, when they're angry. They say, I swear, I've lived my entire life the wrong way. And I thought to myself, wow, what, what is in that Bible? Amen. Well, the Bible says it is for instruction in righteousness. And, and let me just say this. There, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of denominations out there that if you ask a Nazarene, what do we believe about this? Well, they'll go to what's called a denominational handbook, and they'll open up, what do the Nazarenes believe about this? The United Pentecostals have the same book. What do we believe about this? The Baptists say, what do we believe about this? You know what they do? They open this book up. This is what we believe. This is what we are. I am a Bible-believing Christian, and I am I am following this book, and I believe that if you follow this book, you'll be a Bible-believing Baptist as well. I want to tell you this, and you hear me, and you hear me well. Every church and every Christian and every ministry has to make a choice. Are we going to be governed by the doctrines of the Word of God, or are we going to be governed by the philosophies of the world? And I want to tell you right now, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to find some sort of gray middle ground in the middle, and I want to tell you that'll never work. I want you to go over to Romans chapter number 12 and look at this with me. I'm going to just give you the Word of God. Don't get mad at me. I'm just going to give you what the Word of God says, okay? Romans chapter number 12, let's look in verse number 1 and 2. And someone complimented me not long ago, and I appreciate that. I, I, as a preacher, I like getting compliments. Amen. Sometimes I compliment myself. That's, that's wrong. Don't do that. And, uh, but someone told me not long ago, said, Spencer, I don't agree with everything you say, but at least you have Bible for what you believe. I thought, aren't we all supposed to have that? I mean, I thought we were all supposed to do that. But let me give you this. In Romans chapter number 12, verses 1, I want you to see this, that it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And notice this in verse number 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now in that verse I have circled two words. I circled the word, and be not conformed. I circled that right there. And then the next line it says, but be ye transformed. I circled the word conformed and the word transformed. I want to tell you that you can either, as a Christian, as a Christian, you can either be transformed by the doctrines of the Word of God, 
or you can conform to the system and philosophies of the world. There is no middle ground. This is just how it is. And what Paul is saying when he says, I beseech you, basically Paul is telling this church at Rome, I beg you people, please don't, please don't shape your ministry after the world. Please don't be con conformed to this world. Please don't be spoiled by philosophy and vain deceit, but be transformed by the word of God. Start, stop living like Hollywood and start living like a Christian. Stop living like the world system tells you to live and start living like the Bible tells you to live. Don't be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind right there. And the only way to do that is to get into the Word of God. Now, let me say this and give you some pretext for what my message is tonight. I believe that God has been calling me over the past few years into some sort of evangelistic ministry where I stand for the doctrines of the Word of God. I've, I've been in missions as long as I've been in, in ministry. I got, I got out of Bible college. I, I was paroled out of Bible college, really. And I got over into uh, ministry over in Kenya, started working over there. And, and I noticed that we would get people saved, and then all, all of a sudden we would have a problem with the charismatics coming in and scalping people out of our ministry, and the Church of Christ coming in and scalping people out of our ministry. And sometimes we would have even have the Seventh-day Adventists come in, and they would scalp people out of our ministry. And I got really burdened about that. And I thought to myself, what is going on? People are being subverted away from the truth. People are being subverted away from the Word of God. And I got so frustrated with it. I started studying this stuff. And I started, I started to preach against it. And I started talking about all that. And, uh, and I want to tell you right now that I believe God has helped me. And God has opened my mind. And God has shown me a couple things. And I believe today with all of my heart that most churches are being subverted and spoiled away from the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God by the world's philosophies, and I believe that with all of my heart. And tonight, I want to give you basically boil it down to four things that are worldly philosophies that sound good on the surface, but as we examine them, we're going to find out they do not line up with the Word of God. All right, will you follow me with me? Okay, let's do this. The first philosophy that I see that God's people are being spoiled away from is that they are getting into this idea of grace without truth. Grace without truth. I want you to go with me to the book of John, chapter number 1, and I want you to see this and follow with me as I explain myself to you and tell you what the Word of God clearly says. Grace without truth. The Bible says here in John chapter number 1 and verse number 17, the Bible says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace came by Jesus Christ. Is that what the Bible says? For the law was given by Moses, but grace came by Jesus. That's not what it says, is it? The Bible says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and what? Truth came by Jesus Christ. As I'm studying, and, and, and I want to just throw this out there to these preachers as well, think about this. As I'm studying modern Christendom, if we could put it that way, I'm noticing a pattern. God says that this is true, and God also says that this is true. And I notice that a lot of Christians are siding with one rather than the other as if those two truths are enemies. For example... There's a group of people out there that are called Calvinists. And Calvinists oftentimes will stand for the sovereignty of God, but will not stand and attack and assault the free will and responsibility of man. And then there's another crowd out there called the Arminians. And the Arminians, they will attack the sovereignty of God by holding up the free will of man. And the truth is, God is sovereign and man has free will and neither one of those is wrong. Even Charles Spurgeon, when they asked him, how do you reconcile the sovereignty of God with the free will of man? Even Spurgeon said, how do you reconcile friends? They're both true. They're both true. And what I'm seeing today is I'm seeing that there are churches out there that are standing for grace and they're acting like truth isn't necessary. And I want to tell you that you can stand for grace and stand 
for truth. Matter of fact, another one that I see is that people are saying that I follow in Jesus. I don't follow Paul. That's a very interesting one, but we won't get into that today. I want you to do this. Go with me to Titus chapter 2, and I want to show you what the grace of God is. And I believe in the grace of God. Can I tell you my testimony real quick? When I was 18 years old, I got saved. And I was, I was an out-of-control teenager. I'd have been in hell or I'd have been in jail, one of the two. I would have wrecked my life and ruined my life had it not been for the day that Jesus saved me. And I remember that I got saved November 5th, 2001 at the Peachtree Road Baptist Church in Swanee, Georgia, and God changed my life. And I remember the very first Sunday that I showed up, I pulled up in a Nissan truck, and I was blaring rock and roll music out of that truck. And I, I remember I pulled in next to a, uh, there was a lady at the church named Miss Francis, and Miss Francis was about 85 years old and I parked next to Miss Francis and I got out of my truck and Miss Francis got out of her car right next to me and she looked at me and she started backing away real slow. She didn't know what had showed up. She thought some animal had just showed up to church and I walked in that church and I mean I, I didn't have church clothes. I didn't know how to tie a tie. I didn't even have a suit coat. Never owned one in my life and I walked in that church and those people, I mean they were they were hardcore independent fundamental Baptists. I mean they were against everything. They, they were weirdos, man. I I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't fit in with that crowd. When I first started going to church, I didn't fit in at all. I felt like a pork chop at a bar mitzvah, man. I mean, I was way out of line. I had, I had my hair done like the world, and my clothes looked like the world, and I walked like the world, and I talked like the world. But those people loved me, and those people told me that they loved me, and they prayed with me. I, I, I got to the point where I built up the courage one night to walk to an altar and pray. And I remember when I walked to the altar and prayed, it was probably about two months after I got saved, the whole church shouted and cried, and they wept, and they loved me, and they, they prayed for me, and they called me, and they texted me, and they were friends with me, and they loved me, and they didn't say a word to me about the way I I was living. They loved me, but I'm going to tell you right now, that man, that man of God that got up in the pulpit, he preached against everything that I was doing. He preached against everything that I was doing, and he didn't even know me, but he was preaching that, that Bible right there, and you know what I needed? I needed the grace of God's people. I needed God's people to love me, but at the same time, I, I got that truth right there from the Word of God, and that man stood up and preached the Word of God to me, and I'm going to tell you right there, it changed my life, and God did a work in my heart, but it wasn't because of grace over truth. It was because of grace and truth, my dear friend. Look with me in the book of Titus chapter number two. I want you to see this. The Bible says in verse number 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all to all men. Now, now listen, that's the grace of God. The grace of God that bringeth salvation and then look in verse number 12. The grace of God that brings you salvation is the same grace of God that will teach you to do what? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I want to tell you right now, the same grace of God that saved me from hell is the same grace of God that told me to stop saying dirty words and to clean up my language. The same grace of God that saved my soul is the same grace of God that told me to quit dressing like the world and acting like the world and enjoying all the world's entertainment. The same grace of God that saved me is the same grace of God that told me to stop drinking. And the grace of God that saved me is the same grace of God that told me to quit listening to rap music and quit listening to rock music. The same grace of God that, that saved me from from hell is the same grace of God that taught me I ought to quit and enjoy worldly entertainment and I ought to quit, quit living in sin and clean up my life. It is the same grace of God that got me away from the world. I got saved by the grace of God. But I also went into my bedroom one night and broke every rock and roll CD I had by the same grace of God. And I want to tell you today, we had this extreme where a lot of people are over here, and, and I, I would put Joel Osteen in that category. Joel Osteen is going to get it this week, y'all. Amen. I listen to Joel Osteen, and he does say a couple things that are correct, but the problem is that Joel Osteen is all grace and no truth. When's the last time you ever heard a man like Joel Osteen preach on hell? They don't. They don't because they're all grace and they're false teachers because they stand up and talk about the love of God, but they forget to mention that the same God that loves you is the same God that will put you in hell if you reject his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. But then you got the other side over here. They're all truth. I mean, they're, they're, they're monsters. I mean, they're against everything, and I'm not for that crowd either. But we need to have grace 
and truth. Why? Because the Bible teaches grace and truth. Number two, let me give you this. Number one, they believe in grace over truth. Those are philosophies that are destroying our church. But the second philosophy that I believe is destroying our churches, subverting them, spoiling them, is accommodation instead of separation. Accommodation instead of separation. Look with me in James chapter number four. If you will, please go with me there. And I want you to see this and see what the word of God clearly says about all this. The Bible says in the book of James, chapter number four, I'm going to find there, this humidity is causing my Bible to get sticky. Amen. James chapter number four. And verse number four, I, I read this years ago when I first got saved and it blew my mind. It says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoso therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, by, the Bible says that. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. It says there in verse number five, do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? And it says even there in verse number six, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You, you see that right there, that, that, that we ought to separate from the world and not even be friendly with the world. Meaning this, I, I want you to know this, that the church should be one way, and the world should be another way, and there ought not be no mixing in the middle of that. And, and I think what we're doing today, and, and really this, this is the mentality of modern churches, is that you have people out there who love sin, and they don't love God. So what we are doing is we are accommodating their sin to, to, in order to try to bring them into some sort and trick them into some way into loving God, and that doesn't produce any good fruit at all. Amen. Let me tell you this right here, that God has a standard and God's not going to change for who He is. And, and Jesus said, come to me, love me, and if you're going to love me, you can't love the world at the same time. Let me ask you a question. How many of you men think it would go over real well if you went home to your wife and said, I think I'm going to get a second wife now. You can stay here, but I'm going to get a second one too. I don't think that'd go real well. Unless you're a Mormon. Then you're weird. Amen. But the Lord said that. He says, look, he said, look, friendship with the world is enmity with me. And I like how Charles Haddon Spurgeon said it. He says, how can I be friends with the world for which Christ died to rescue me from? How can I be friends with that? And how can I love that? And how can I accommodate that? The truth is you can't. I, I want to give you this. The great theological controversy of the 20th century was something called neo-evangelicalism versus fundamentalism. And basically the idea was there was a group of fundamentalists who said we need to be separated from the world. And then there was a group of people out there that said, well, no, we need to try to accommodate the world just a little bit. And, and it caused a big split in Christianity. It's called fundamentalism versus neo-evangelicalism. We have a lot of videos on our YouTube channel about that. But basically what the new evangelicals did was they said, you know, there's a group of people out there who love sin. They love worldly music. So let's take worldly music and let's try to put Christian words to it. And let's try to just sing that in our churches and use that to bring our kids to Jesus. And the problem with that is, is that that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says preach Jesus who he is and don't try to accommodate the world. Try to call people out of the world and don't accommodate their sin. For example, let me give you this. The lovely Lord Jesus, the one who loved everybody and loved people, he let one man walk one day. A man came to him with a lot of money and, and he said, Good master, what can I do that I might have eternal life? And the man said, There is none good but God. And, uh, and he was trying to talk to the young man. He said, If, if you, if you want to follow me, go sell all the goods that you have and then go out there and, and sell it all, give it to the poor and come follow me. What the Lord Jesus was doing was he was trying to reveal to this young man the covetousness of his own heart. He was trying to reveal to him that he was not right with God. And, and, and the man was sorrowful because he had a lot of riches. He was a wealthy guy and the Lord Jesus Christ 
let him walk away. If, he, if Jesus was a neo-evangelical preacher, he'd have said, your money is no problem. The covetousness and the sin in your own heart is no problem. Just come on to me anyway. Jesus didn't accommodate sin. And I want to tell you this, God doesn't accommodate my sin and God's not going to accommodate your sin. And I want to tell you right now, we need to love Jesus for who Jesus is. And we like to gripe about the crowd in Romans 1 that's making a God under their own image, but I think sometimes we are doing the same thing when we are trying to make a cool and hip Jesus and a rad Jesus and a dope Jesus, yo, 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 hipster, gangster Jesus, when Jesus ain't nothing like that. We don't need to accommodate people in their sin. We just need to preach the truth of the Word of God and let the chips fall where they may. And we don't need to get spoiled by accommodating sin. We need to be separating from sin, my dear friend. Amen. Number one, we need, we, we've been spoiled by grace over truth. Number two, we've been spoiled by accommodation instead of separation. Number three, let me give you this. We are believing, we are being spoiled by being nice instead of being good. Being nice instead of being good. Go with me to Second Peter chapter number 3. And I need to vote a confidence real quick. I'm, I, I drank six cups of caffeine before, cups of coffee before I started, and uh, my caffeine confidence is wearing off. So can y'all... Can I, let me, let's do this. Take a vote real quick. Give me 15 more minutes to preach. Would you raise your right hand if you give me 15 more minutes to preach? I got 30% Sunday. I, that's about 45 right there. Good. Amen. We go another two weeks. We'll be doing good. Amen. Second Peter chapter number three. Look at verse number 16. And um, I got the wrong verse. Amen. Excuse me, chapter number two and uh, verse, let's see, where's chapter two and verse number 20. And that's not right either. Amen. So there it is. First Peter, I'm sorry, there it is. Y'all pray for me. And verse number 16, first Peter 3, 16. Let's go to verse number 15. The Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Notice this. Having a, was I say, good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed, that falsely accuse your what? Good conversation. In Christ. Let me ask you a question. When David stood up and slew Goliath, slew him, threw, he threw a stone into his face, knocked him out, and then went over there and took his own sword like a savage. Took his own sword out of his side and chopped Goliath's head clean off of his body. Was David being nice? When Daniel got the decree from the king that you can't pray to nobody, no gods, no nothing, and if you do, we'll execute you, and he went and prayed anyway, and they threw him in the lion's den, was, da was Daniel being nice? No. Daniel was being good, and David was being good. And I want you to know this, that God has called us, of course, to be polite, but God did not say that exactly in the Word of God. God has called us to be good people. And the difference between a nice guy and a good guy is that a good man will stand against evil, but a nice man will not. A good man stands to please God, but a nice man stands to please everybody. And I want to do this. Let me show you this. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4 real fast, okay? I have been studying false teachers for years. I've been studying charismatic movement. I've been studying uh, all the Buddhists, and I've been studying comparative world religions for years. I've been studying Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, all that crowd. I, I, and I found something to be true of all of them without any exception whatsoever. All false teachers are 100% positive all the time. 
Now look with me in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 2. says this, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Make everybody, make everybody feel good all the time. Is that what the Word of God says? Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season. Tell everybody that if they follow Jesus, all of their dreams will come true no matter what. Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, and then it says rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Now notice this, God said do three things. He said reprove, which is negative. Rebuke, which is negative, And exhort, which is positive, which means that the pulpit ministry of the New Testament church is to be two-thirds negative and the problem with all these false teachers is that they're always smiling and they're always happy and they're always wonderful and I want to tell you right there that, that sometimes if you're going to stand for God in this old wicked world you're not going to be able to be nice. Amen. I'm glad that I'm not nice about homosexuality. I want to tell you right now that these young people, like, like I've never seen before in my entire life, these young people are being seduced by the sodomite crowd. And you can turn on Daniel Tiger, and you can turn on anything that there is. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about programming for little tiny kids. And these kids are bit, like literally the TV screen is puking rainbows all over the place, all over them. And they're being told that you may not be a boy, you actually may be a girl trapped in a boy's body. And these evil, wicked perverts are out there trying to seduce your kids and seduce my kids and I want to tell you right now I'm not going to be nice about that and it takes a good man to stand up and say no that is evil that is wicked that is wrong but a nice guy's not going to do that and I'm sick to death. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm for being nice. I Listen, don't, don't, I'm, not, I'm not a pirate. I'm not walking around at everybody all the time. I'm not a monster. I'm not a jerk. But I want to tell you right now, I've got a bad attitude about wickedness. I've got a bad attitude about sin. I've got a bad attitude about adultery. And I've got a bad attitude about false teachers. I've got a bad attitude about people dying and going to hell, believing a false gospel. I've got a bad attitude. And a good man with a bad attitude about the right things can be used of God in a great and exciting way. Amen. Problem is today we're trying to be too nice. We, we've read our books, How to Win Friends, Influence People. <laughs> and we're trying our best to just be the smiley guy about everything. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to stand for the Word of God, you're going to have to put a frown on your face and say some ugly things about some wickedness going on in this day and age. Amen. Is everybody with me tonight? The philosophies that are spoiling us is that we have said that there's grace over truth. We practice accommodation instead of separation. We have been nice instead of being good. But let me say this also, number four, is that we have de-emphasized de doctrine in our churches today. Go with me to Titus chapter 1, if you will. Titus chapter 1. The Bible talks about how the Paul left Titus on Crete to go ordain national pastors. And by the way, national pastors is a biblical concept all found throughout the Word of God. And the Bible says here about all the qualifications of a bishop in verse number 7 of Titus chapter 1. He says, you've got to be blameless of the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker. Uh, i got a friend of mine who is a pastor who practices jiu-jitsu, and he says, the Bible says I can't be a striker, but it don't say nothing about choking people. Amen. So I about joined a gym right then. Amen. Not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. I mean, he ought not be some flamboyant something like that. He ought to be, he ought to be a modest guy. The Bible says in verse number 9 that the qualifications of the New Testament bishop is that he needs to hold fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. And I believe if a man has a major doctrinal change in his ministry, he ought to give up his ordination papers and mail it back and apologize to that church for ordaining him. And I'm, I'm sick to death of all these young men getting ordained and going out into evangelism and then they start going into all kinds of false emergent doctrine. They start reading Rick Warren books and they get caught up and all the enamored by the Southern Baptists and all the theological modernism and liberalism. And then the, the man who ordained them calls their ordination paper back and says, we didn't send you out to be some theological liberal going out there uh, promoting 
promoting theological liberalism and singing all kinds of theologically liberal songs by theologically liberal people. And we didn't ordain you to do that. We want to call your ordination back. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, they're a victim. Oh, legalism struck again. I'm sorry, but we ordained you to go out there and speak to the English-speaking world with the King James Bible, and you went out there and got got smarter than everybody else and got you an ESV and thought that you'd be slick and cool and slip that one in on everybody, and you thought nobody would say anything. I'm going to tell you, somebody ought to say something. Amen. And if you're going to change what you believe, you ought to have enough character. You ought to have enough character to let somebody know, I don't believe this anymore. And you ought to offer your ordination back. And you ought to say, I just don't believe that. I'm sorry. Please. And and by the way, you ought to write all that support back too. All that money that these people gave you so that you go off into Montana and start an independent fundamental Baptist church. Next thing you know, you're you're caught up with a bunch of bunch of slick willies and you're out there. You're all, hey. You're, there's a lot of names I could name right now. Amen. Is everybody all right? I'm getting nervous. Y'all are looking at me like crazy right now. Amen. Getting wrapped up with Rick Warren and saddled back, and you think you're going to go out there and, and try to be this hip, cool pastor. Nobody needs a hip, cool pastor. Let me tell you something about hip, cool pastors. They're a bunch of dweebs, and they're dorky, and you're weird looking, and you have you, you just need to be a man of God and just let the chips fall where they may and forget about trying to be cool and relevant in a world that hates God and world that, in a world that could care less, my dear friend. They ought to give it all back. And the Bible says they're holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he might be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. You know, you can write down Kenneth Copeland right there. There are people out there that are coming and they're they're like piranhas and they're like sharks and they're hunting for families and they're after your kids and the only reason they're after you they don't look at you as a soul they don't look at you as a family that could be developed for God they look at you as another giving unit I got to we got to remodel this church and I need more giving units in this church. And I want to tell you right now that those people are charlatans and they're going to die and go to hell and the only defense that we have against those people is Bible doctrine. I want to tell you right now that there's a lot of people out there like Stephen Anderson who subverted a lot of God's people away. And the reason is, the only reason they got swept away and all that is because they were not squared away in Bible doctrine. And to be quite frank, I'm going to say it, even though it, it upset some people, a lot of pastors weren't even prepared to handle what that guy was dishing out to everybody. And so they had to call in the specialists, the prophecy gurus. Help us figure this out because, you know, we didn't learn anything. We've just been knocking doors all these years. We never learned any Bible doctrine. And, and I'm going to tell you, it caused a big mess. And there's a bunch of other ones coming up right now. I wouldn't name names, but, you know, I don't do that. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 104, I'll read it to you. It says this, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. They said, I hate every false way. And I think God's people today are so wrapped up being nice and so wrapped up trying to be the smiley, inspirational, Tim Tebow type character out there that we have forgotten that we ought to hate every false way. And I want to tell you right now that I hate infant baptism and I hate Roman Catholicism and I hate New Age religion disguising itself as Bible-believing Christianity and infiltrating the local church through the music. I hate every false way and if God will give me breath and if God will help me to stand I'm going to stand against wickedness and I'm going to stand against theological error and I'm going to stand with the word of God and I'm going to let her rip and if I lose every meeting I got if I lose every bit of support that I got I can lay my head on the pillow at night knowing that I stood and I preached what that book says and if everybody else got mad at me and I had to go home and just get a job at a factory somewhere let it be known Spencer Smith is going to stand for what the Word of God clearly teaches. Amen. 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 The Bible says this, verse number 13 of Titus 1. This witness is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Notice this, verse 14. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. I'm going to tell you something right now. I, I operate in the internet space. 
And you'd be surprised when it talks about Jewish fables right there. That's talking about the mystery religion. That's talking about the Kabbalah. That's talking about Gnosticism. And I can tell you how you can spot that crowd because they always start preaching against pork and they start talking about the Sabbath. Did you know that the Sabbath, and they start, and they, and they don't call him Jesus, they call him Yehovah Karash. I'm like, you're from West Virginia. What are you doing speaking Hebrew? His name's Jesus. What's wrong with you? And by the way, bacon's amazing. Glory to God. I'm going to eat ham to the day I die, and don't you dare come at me with some Levitical law that Jesus Christ did away with and tell me that I'm not right with God and I'm a false teacher because I like bacon. Glory to God. But you'd be surprised how many people are into all that stuff today. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many people right now are into all this flat earth stuff. And a lot of them are nuts. And by the way, QAnon is a, is a deception too. Brother Brian, is everything okay? Did I chill the service right there? Brother Brian, I think somebody's mad at me. Do I need to tell a joke? It gets cold sometimes. Brother Kendrick, am I okay? All right. Brother Kendrick's going to sign my Bible after church. Uh, uh, hey, I'll sell that Bible too. I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of people out there that are saying things in the name of God that are almost right. Quite frankly, I knew Eric Capace was a snake the first time I saw him preach. And guess what? He's a Southern Baptist now, and he's yoking up with the Pope to reach people with the gospel. And by the way, Greg Locke, same thing. Greg Locke's a snake, and we always knew he was. But we're not worried about that, you know, because he's a brother. <laughs> Well, he's spewing heresy, but you know, he, and he's, he's got heresy all over social media, and we got the screenshots and all that. We, we, we know what he's saying is not true, but he's a brother. We're going to try to help him. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to stand with the book. And I don't care if I lose all my friends, I'll stand with the book. I believe that Christians should have a holy hatred of false doctrine, but unfortunately they do not. The reason that they do not hate false doctrine is because they do not understand the importance of Bible doctrine. Go with me back to Colossians chapter 2. You guys gave me 15 more minutes to preach, and I think I took every bit of it, so please forgive me. I need another vote of confidence. Let me get, raise your right hand give me five more minutes to preach. All right. 52%. Getting better. Amen. Glory to God. I, I, I'm keeping record of who's not... Raising her hand, amen. You're on my ugly list. Colossians 2. The Bible says, verse 6, As you therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, and beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. I want to tell you this, and you hear me, church. You cannot be right with God and be following Christ and following the worldly philosophies that are being spewed in the average pulpit today. I want to tell you, there's nobody sitting under Joel Osteen that's living for God. And, and by the way, let me say this. All, when, when the Roe versus Wade stuff flared up, I watch these women preachers like Beth Moore and Priscilla Shire and all these big Joyce Meyer. I watch all of them like a hawk. I've got them on a watch list. The FBI needs to hire me. And when all this Roe versus Wade stuff started flaring up, everybody in the world was speaking about it except all these women preachers. Now, if anybody should be speaking about that, it should be all them, but none of them said a word. Uh, I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why. It's because they're not right with God. They're not following Jesus Christ. They're following paychecks. They're following popularity. They're, they're following fame. And they're not following Christ. They're following the world. But here's what I find in verse number 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. I want to tell you this right now. 
we got everything we need right here. We got everything we need right here in the page of the 66 page of this book. I don't even have to go to the book of Enoch. <laughs> what a blessing. I got 66 books right here that tell me everything that God wants me to know about Him. And there are treasures in this book. And I want to tell you right now, there are people out there that they are trying to go out and find something in the worldly philosophies that are out there and try to find a way to reach a youth group with worldly philosophies or try to find a way to build a church with worldly philosophies. I'm going to tell you, it's all right here. Let me tell you a story real quick and I'll close. I was out west a couple years ago. And there was an assistant pastor at that church who was a slick willy. He was, he was worldly. He, 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 he had all, I mean, he, he acted like Tony Robbins. You know who that is, Tony I mean, he was, like a, he was like a mixture of like Greg Locke, Grant Cardone, and Tony Robbins all wrapped into one. He had it written all over him. I could, I could spot him from a mile away. And he went up to me afterwards after I preached. And he said, hey, Brother Spencer, I enjoyed your message. What leadership materials are you reading? I said, leadership materials? What do you, what do you mean by that? I, he said, well, what leadership materials are you reading for your ministry? And I said, well, what, I had to ask him three times, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you know, I mean, you're, you're looking for leadership stuff, aren't you? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, who are you reading? I said, the Apostle Paul. I said, Jesus Christ. I said, you know, I'm reading Peter and James, and I'm reading John, I'm, I'm reading... The book of Hebrews, probably written by John R. Rice, you know, and I mean, I, I'm, that's what I'm reading. I'm, I'm reading right here. And Brother Brian, he got offended. He got offended, wouldn't talk. We were at a mission conference, he wouldn't even talk to me the rest of the week. I didn't mean anything, but I, I thought, sorry, I, I'd have said Joyce Myers had made you feel better about it, man. But the problem is today, church, we got people that are going outside of this, looking for something outside of this. And the truth be told, if I could ever do a service to the body of Christ, the best thing I could do is point you back to this book and say, everything you want is right here. Everything you need is right here. And we don't need to be drawn away and spoiled by all these worldly philosophies because there's always some slick salesman out there who wears a nice, pretty little suit and says, hey, I can help your church and I can help you. Now, hey, the only help I need is right here. And the men who help me the most are the ones that preach this book. Don't be spoiled. Don't get caught away in all that. Just follow Christ because in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless now this time, O oh God. The seducing arm of the world is after us and after our churches and after me, Lord. I, I can even sense it myself. I know that the world is after me trying to get me to rethink it. Truth is, Lord, Bible, Christianity doesn't need to be rethought. It just needs to be redone. God, help us, help us, oh God, especially the young people here tonight, to not be drawn away by the world, the flesh, and the devil, to not be drawn away by the sins and wickedness of this old world. Lord God, help us not to be drawn away and spoiled by philosophy and vain deceit. Oh God, help us today. Use us for your glory. Help us to stick with the Word of God. Stay rooted and and grounded in the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I know there's so many young people out here that can be drawn away to other denominations if they're not careful, Lord, and they don't need to go nowhere. They got it right, right here. Help them, oh God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking, let's all stand together as the musician begins to play. Why don't you come to an old-fashioned altar today? Well, hey guys, your friend Spencer here. I want to talk to you about channel membership. This channel has turned into like a gigantic global thing. And we have so many things we're trying to do and we have expenses we're trying to meet and we need your help to do so. So YouTube has allowed us to be in something called the YouTube Membership program and that's what we have now where you can pay monthly to support this channel and just do it right through YouTube and there's certain perks that you get uh, for doing this and we want you guys to be a part of that and there's so many things you get for being a channel member so let me do this I want to show you this this uh, screenshot here and this is from YouTube right on our channel here and basically what we have is these five levels of membership that you could be a part of uh, one is $1.99 a month uh, two is $9.99 a month three is $24.99 a month four is $49.99 and level five is $99.99 a month. So level one is $1.99 a month. All you got to do is hit the join button on our channel and you get one of these loyalty badges next to your name and you get to use all these super cool emojis. Now, everybody who's a channel member gets to be a part of our super secret list of videos that only you people can have. Okay, we have we have like so many good videos behind that paywall that all of you folks can have and be blessed by. You can have all that for just $1.99 a month. Now, once you go up to $10 a month, 
month level two, uh, we will actually send you a free CD. And I've got CDs all around here that we use, and we'll just send you one of them for free just as a thank you to that. And then also, if you join at level three, which is $24.99 a month, uh, then you get to have not only just a, a CD, but you get a book that we have. Now, what we have is we, we put on here sending our book, Calling Evil Good, The Live Christian Rock and Roll, which I have a copy of it right here. Now, if you want one of these, that'll be fine. We'll send you one of those. But we also now have the Dr. Matters Bible Study Journals, and you can have either one of these. So we'll send you one, no problem, just as a thank you for joining our channel. We certainly would appreciate that. And then also, uh, for $49.99, you get all the books, the CDs, and then even we're going to try to send you some uh, some more uh, discounts on our Spreadshirt items and things like that. We'll take care of you on that and we'll try to work something out with you. And then also level five, you get basically the same thing. So uh, guys, listen, this is a way that you get to be a part of what God is doing on our channel and get to be involved in all this. And so level one, you get all the loyalty badges, access to all the videos. Level two, you get all, everything mentioned before and a CD. Level three, you get everything and a book with a CD and all the membership perks and everything like that. And the level four and five, you get a lot of uh, Spreadshirt item stuff and all that. So all you have to do to claim all these perks is uh, once you join, just email us, spencersmithmembers at gmail.com, spencersmithmembers at gmail.com, and tell us what what you want. Give us your name and address. We'll send it right to you, man. We'd love to have you guys be a part of this. We have so many special videos exclusively for our channel members coming up in the very near future. You don't want to miss out on that. God bless you guys. We love you, and we will see you all very soon. Roman Empire, 2,000 years ago, the greatest contiguous land empire the world had ever known, completely surrounding the Mediterranean Sea. Starting at the Strait of Gibraltar, which separates the continents of Europe and Africa, it comprised what is now Spain, Britain, France, Germany, Austria, Italy, the Balkans, Greece, and across the Black Sea, Turkey, Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, and the whole of North Africa back again to the Strait of Gibraltar, a fantastic panorama. In an historically brief period of time, tiny Rome sent out its regents to conquer what to them was the world.
Roman emperor ruled his vast domain. His troops and his governors controlled provinces from the icy north to the burning sands of the south. His power was absolute and awesome. The Roman Empire was a complex business. Well-engineered Roman roads ran in every direction, carrying commerce and the all-important legions which helped maintain the iron Roman rule. All the great lands of antiquity were subject to Roman domination. To the north, Athens, the center of world culture. To the east, Antioch in Syria, center of commerce and also pleasure. 